This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Welcome in. My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Norwegian Bliss today. Also, Sherry Laskin is back with Cruise News. Dan from TripInsurance.com answers a couple of questions of really crazy weather week with cruises being extended, cruises being shortened, people coming out of pockets for hotel. So Dan's going to answer some of your listener questions. Cruise Radio News, our show that runs opposite of this. Just search Cruise Radio News where you listen to your favorite podcast. All right, Sherry Laskin is back with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Political unrest diverts a couple of ships going to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Yeah, first it was Royal Caribbean's Empress of the Seas, which canceled its arrival into the port of Old San Juan. And then today it was just announced that Harmony of the Seas is also canceling it. It was rerouted to St. Martin instead, which is pretty close by. But the port of San Juan was canceled, like you said, due to political unrest in the city. There are protesters taking to the streets. They're calling for the governor's resignation because of a series of scandals. Um, I don't know all the details, but you know whether or not uh, other ships are canceled this week due to the uh, protesting, it remains to be seen. Yeah, Royal Caribbean were the only three calls this week. And then this weekend, um, there's going to be, I believe, Carnival Fascination and Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas will take guests on in San Juan. So they pretty much have to go there anyway to drop their current guests off. But I'm curious to see what's going to happen here because, um, you know, San Juan gets a lot of cruise ships. They do. That's a huge hub. Allure of the Seas will undergo a massive dry dock in the next year or so. Yeah, this is exciting. Allure of the Seas is headed for a massive dry dock, as you just said, in Barcelona, and it's going to happen next spring. The ship is scheduled for a 58-day refurbishment, oh, to the tune of $165 million. So what will be added for that much money? Well, you'll see the biggest change at the water park. So first, they're adding the tallest water slide to sea called the Ultimate Abyss, and then they'll also put in their Perfect Storm, which has three water slides, and the names just happen to be Cyclone, Supercell, and Typhoon. The kids' water park will also be enlarged, and it'll have more splash areas. There's going to be a glow-in-the-dark laser tag and an escape room adventure, which you'll never find me going into. Uh, for for uh, eateries, Giovanni's Casual Italian Restaurant will see a change, and it's going to be called Giovanni's table and wine bar, but it will still offer their hand-tossed pizzas. Mm. Another restaurant called Portside Barbecue will be added, and as you can imagine, it'll have the usual fare that you find in all the ship's barbecue places now. It's, you know, they'll have the brisket and ribs and cornbread and all those other things that we see across all the fleets now. Um, for nighttime entertainment, they're adding Music Hall for live music, and there will be Spotlight Karaoke. So when the dry dock is finished, Allure will sail from Barcelona, Spain on May 10 and hang around the Med for the season and then return to Miami in November for seven night alternating Eastern and Western itineraries. Carnival Cruise Line is really beefing up their Bermuda cruises. Yeah, they are. Carnival will offer more than 40 cruises to Bermuda this year and next. So six ships 
from five different home ports will include Bermuda. And the ships are Carnival Breeze, Carnival Magic, Carnival Pride, Carnival Radiance, Sunshine, and Sunrise. Cruises will range from four to nine days, and they will depart from Baltimore, Charleston, New York City, Fort Lauderdale, and close to home here, Port Canaveral. So, yeah, they are really beefing up their Bermuda runs. I was checking out a lot of these itineraries. So the one thing I don't like about Carnival's Bermuda sailings, um, especially out of New York, they have those four-night cruises to Bermuda, Mm -hmm. but they only spend like 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Bermuda. If you really want to go that far, you should probably (laughs) pick an itinerary that's there a little longer than eight hours. Yeah, I, oh, I totally agree. Sometimes people just don't have the, I guess, the time to be away or the dates work yeah. for them. And, you know, they like to gamble. Maybe they just want to drink and it's not the destination for them, but it's being on board. Who knows? Yeah. There's definitely a demand for those sailings because they sell out. But yeah. it's just like, you know, you go that far, you really want to enjoy it. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. Yeah. I um, agree with you. Uh, so Western Caribbean, uh, they're really getting hammered with this seaweed still. Yeah, beaches on the Caribbean coastline of Mexico are dealing with an overly abundant, I guess that's a good way to put it, amount of seaweed that's constantly washing up on their shoreline. Especially hard hit is uh, Costa Maya, one of my favorite places, and it's known for its sleepy fishing villages over Mm -hmm. in Mahual. But resort owners, they've had to hire extra employees to rake it up almost as fast as it washes ashore. And the cause for this isn't really clear. There's a few theories that have been tossed around. One is that deforestation in the Amazon is causing the Amazon River to spill out nutrients and chemicals, and that causes this super bloom. And another theory is that um, this algae or the you know all the seaweed is coming from West Africa, clear across the ocean, and eventually just backing up on the shoreline uh, in the Western uh, Caribbean. Well, I mean, and it makes sense too if you think about it, because. Uh, well, yeah, they're saying the Cong- is it the Congo River in Africa because deforestation over there is pushing it into the Atlantic Ocean, and then everything's moving to the west. And once you get to Mexico, mm-hmm. you really you can't really go much further. No, so- it just it hits a wall. Literally, it hits the shoreline in, in Mexico. So you know, either way, it's it's a pretty messy situation. And resort owners have said that if it's really bad, if the beach becomes unusable, they will refund your money if you purchased the chair and the drink and all that. I thought it was interesting that the Mexican Navy is developing seaweed catching boats as well. Well, you know, it's tourism is their income. Mm-hmm. So, And finally, a little bit of tropical activity diverted some ships last week. Yeah, apparently the ports of Mobile, Alabama and New Orleans both had to close until Sunday due to Hurricane Barry, which was, you know, quickly downgraded to a tropical storm. Carnival Fantasy was supposed to return to Mobile on Saturday morning, but had to remain out at sea until the storm passed. And this, of course, caused the domino effect. And then the next sailing that was supposed to depart from Mobile on Sunday was changed from a five-night cruise to a four-night cruise. Both uh, Carnival Glory and Carnival Valor, however, remained on schedule, arriving Sunday and Monday, respectively. So pretty much one cruise got extended by a day and one cruise got shortened. Yeah, and people had to scramble to figure out where they were going to stay and what they were going to do and how to change their reservations again. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because Mobile's not that big. And I was talking to some listeners who were on there. They were hitting me up on Facebook, and they were having to drive like 50 to 75 miles outside of Mobile just to find a hotel room. 
That's crazy, but yeah. you know, it's, it's hurricane season. Today's listener question comes from Candice. You can email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Can you recommend a good deck on a ship with regards to noise? We are very light sleepers. Looking at Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas or Norwegian Epic. Well, Candace, I did some research for you, and here's what I found out. So if you're thinking of freedom of the seas, what you do not want, and I've been on this ship many times, and I've learned the hard way, if you're a light sleeper, you don't want to be on deck two or deck three forward because the main theater is there. There is also on deck two a side entrance that the performers use, so that door can clink and clank shut at all hours of the night. So you don't want to be, deck, you don't want to be forward on decks two or three. Um, on deck 10, you don't want to be forward on that either because right upstairs of you is the gym. Other than that, you're pretty much safe. I always tell people don't, if, if you can avoid the very back staterooms on the lowest deck or two because you will hear engine noise or feel a hum. So that's the other thing that I always suggest. But uh, those other points for sure on freedom would help you to sleep better. And then over on Epic, um, on, I would say not on deck 12 forward, because what you have on that same deck is a bridge viewing area, and you will have people traipsing back and forth and yakking it up in the hallway. So again, if you're a light sleeper, that might bother you. And then the other deck I would advise against on the Epic would be deck 13, and that's in the middle, because right upstairs there on deck 14 is the gym. Just about everywhere else on the Epic, I think you would have a good ride and peace and quiet at night. All right. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin <laughs> from cruisemaven.com. Welcome back, Sherry, and thank you. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be back. Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com, is on the line to answer some of your listener questions about, well, the past week's storms and some other travel insurance questions. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Doug. It's great to be on. We have a slew of questions today. The first one is, what is the difference between my credit card insurance and buying a travel insurance policy? Well, Doug, there's a lot of different credit card insurance offerings and a lot of different travel insurance plans sold in the market. So the specific differences between a particular card and a particular plan vary. Many gold and platinum credit cards offer travel insurance coverage um, for trip costs that you purchase with the, with the credit card, but the trip costs you don't buy with the credit card are not covered. Um, and the plans are generally not as comprehensive in terms of their benefits and have fewer covered reasons for trip cancellation than the policies you can buy on tripinsurance.com. So this means that if you're counting on the travel protection of your credit card, you could be traveling with a lot more exposed risk than you really know. Very few people actually download a copy of the coverage certificate for their credit card company to really know what kind of coverage they have. Think about it. You know, they're including this benefit as part of your annual fee for the card. So it stands to reason that the coverage will be much more limited than you'd get if you were buying a travel insurance plan from our site. Mm -hmm. Um, their coverage may be limited to cancel for medical reasons, for instance, but may not cover medical emergency evacuation or provide you much lower coverage limits than you really need for your trip. So I personally have premium credit cards that offer these features, and I'm a licensed insurance agent and no travel insurance, and I read all the plans. I always buy travel insurance and recommend my friends and customers do the same because there are just too many risks that they're not going to be covered by these cards. 
You said something there that um, I have a question on. So really, I mean, no matter if you purchase it third party or you have it through your credit card, it sounds like you should always print out a coverage certificate. Always. You got to read this. Very few people do. Um, And all travel insurance plans that you buy on the market offer you a 14-day free look. And you can return the plan if you're not happy with the coverage provisions. So if you buy the plan and you and, and then take a, take the time to actually read the policy, if you don't like the policy, you can always return it. Next question says, if my cruise has to depart from another port because of a tropical storm or hurricane, would I be allowed to cancel under the policy? It depends upon the the, the hurricane coverage, for instance, because sometimes hurricane can it, you could be covered for a hurricane as a as a reason for cancellation. Um, but, Doug, let me explain very quickly what a cancel for any reason policy is mm-hmm. uh, in case some of your listeners don't really know about these products. Some plans include a provision that let you cancel for an uncovered reason. You can just change your mind and decide not to take a trip, and a large portion of your cancellation penalties will be covered by the insurance. The plans are generally uh, more expensive uh, and require you to purchase them within 14 to 15 days of making your initial deposit to get that coverage. So in this particular case, a change in itinerary is generally, particularly before departure, is generally not covered for trip cancellation or trip interruption. But if you buy a cancel for any reason policy, you can cancel more than 48 hours before your trip date. And then yes, in this case, you could cancel and get as much as 75% of your cancellation penalties covered by the insurance. Um, because you'd be canceling for an uncovered reason. So that's the real benefit of getting a policy like that. But a conventional travel insurance plan, whether you purchase it from the cruise company or a third party like tripinsurance.com, is generally not going to cover a change of itinerary before the trip starts. So this will apply not only to changes from the cruise company, but can also apply to changes on the part of a tour company, which can be a problem. For instance, if you purchased airline tickets to go to New Orleans, and now you've got an airline change fee to fly to Mobile. Um, um, we had a client that purchased a special trip program hosted at a Sandals resort, and the tour company ended up not having enough people sign up for the program, so they canceled it about a month before the trip. And the customer didn't want to take the trip because the special program was canceled, so the company refunded their trip deposit for the tour, but they had also purchased airline tickets to get to the island on their own. And these airline tickets wouldn't be covered under trip cancellation because of the change of itineraries isn't covered by a conventional policy. But fortunately, they had purchased a cancel for any reason plan, and they were paid 75% of the cancellation penalties charged by the airline. Now, U.S. Fire has a special provision in some of their plans so that if your travel supplier, like a cruise company, makes a change in their itinerary after you depart for the trip say they're not going to a particular island and you had prepaid for an event, you would be covered for the cancellation penalties because they changed the itinerary on you. And the U.S. Fire Platinum Plan, for instance, covers these expenses up to $250 a person. This next question was asked in the Cruise Radio News Facebook group. They said, what is the difference between the U.S. Fire policies and nationwide policies? Doug, both companies offer excellent plans and we're proud to offer their products because of the comprehensive coverage they're offering. When you compare the plans side by side, you see some interesting differences that may be important to you, depending upon the risk that you're concerned about covering. For instance, the U.S. Fire Platinum plan that includes cancel for any reason coverage 
provides that coverage in a range from 100% of your cancellation penalties down to 75% of the cancellation penalties based on the percentage of the total trip cost that the cruise company charges you to cancel. So if you cancel early and they only charge you 20 or 25% of your deposit, U.S. Fire will cover 100% of that cancellation penalty. Um, whereas if you cover, cancel later and they charge you more than that, they may only cover 75%. Whereas Nationwide has a single flat limit of 75% of the co- cancellation penalty, no matter how much you're charged to cancel. But Nationwide's premier plan covers you up to 200% of your trip costs for trip interruption. So if you need to get home to a sick parent and have to cancel your trip, this gives you plenty of benefit limit to cover the loss of the balance of your vacation, the rest of your cruise they're going to pay you for, as well as the extra cost to get home. U.S. Fire offers non-medical emergency evacuation, which is really important if you're traveling to a politically unstable area. Uh, that or an area that might be subject to natural disasters that could shut down a commercial airport. So it, it really depends upon the risk that you're worried about. But the, interest, the most interesting thing to me is that when you get on a comparison site like tripinsurance.com, the rate tables are different between the insurance companies. So some of them want to sell or target their policies to younger travelers or want to sell to an older travel bracket or to people that have more expensive trips. So when you when you plug in your parameters for your trip and you're getting a side-by-side comparison, um, the advantage to doing that on tripinsurance.com is that sometimes that cheaper policy may give you much, much better coverage for the risks that you're most concerned about. This may be a stupid question, but you said covers 200% of your trip. How do you get above 100%? Let's say that you cancel your trip very early in the trip. So you, you start on your cruise, and the first day of the cruise, your parent gets sick, and you've got to return home. Uh, trip interruption benefit covers the balance of the cost of your trip. So the f- first thing it's going to do is pay for the rest of your cruise. Um, but then it also has to pay for the extra cost to get you home, which may involve special flights to get you off of an island, uh, to get you to the mainland, and then fly you home. And so you need to have extra, you need to have more than 100% of your trip costs covered in trip interruption to cover that extra cost to get you home. So it sounds like if you have uh, uh, maybe a sick parent or something, a situation going on back home while you're gone, you should probably make sure you have some trip interruption coverage. Absolutely. And and (laughs) what's interesting to me is that younger travelers, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners um, have young kids, that is a much, much bigger risk than your parent getting sick at home is one of your kids being left with a babysitter or a grandparent and them getting sick or hurt, and you got to go home and take care of them. Last question here came in via Twitter. I haven't made my final payment yet for the cruise. Can I still buy a travel insurance policy? Well, you can buy travel insurance up until the day before you depart for your trip. But the earlier you buy the plan, the better your coverage Um This is particularly important in hurricane season. If you don't buy the plan before the hurricane is named, you're not covered. So um, if you can buy the plan within 14 to 15 days of making your initial trip deposit, then you can take advantage of pre-existing condition waivers and cancel for any reason provisions that are in the plan. Um, But a lot of our clients ask us, you know, um, if they can purchase the plan before they finish making all their travel arrangements, because they don't really know what their total trip costs are until they finish um, making those arrangements. 
I recommend you buy the plan within 14 days of making your initial trip arrangements, uh, deposits, or payments. And then uh, as you continue to purchase additional travel arrangements, you can send us a quick email. Let us know your new trip costs or your extended travel dates. We'll calculate if there's any additional premium, and you just pay the difference. Interestingly, if your trip costs go down, you can also can contact us, and uh, if the premium goes down, we refund the difference. You mentioned, like on the first question, that the policies come with a 14-day, like a money back. Is that what it is? If you're not satisfied or you find better coverage, you can get a full refund of your policy? Every plan by law in okay. every state. If you buy the plan, um, you have 14 days. You can return the, the plan for 100% refund on your insurance, provided that you cancel the plan before you depart for the trip and haven't filed a claim against the plan. We've been talking with Dan Skilkin, president of TripInsurance.com. Dan, thank you so much for answering these questions today. Doug, it's always a pleasure. Hey, we, we answer a lot of, of questions from your from your listeners. If anybody has any additional questions, they can contact you or just send us an email at, at support at TripInsurance.com. We are happy to answer them even if you're not buying travel insurance from us. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Chris just returned from a seven-night sailing aboard Norwegian Cruise Line's Norwegian Bliss, and he traveled as a solo traveler, so a unique angle here. First off, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. So before we get to the ship, I want to touch on the solo aspect of this cruise, because this is pretty cool. You sailed this cruise by yourself, and NCL seemed very accommodating to the solo cruiser. And also, you created a like solo cruiser Facebook group, correct? Yes, a couple of years ago, I um, was doing some solo cruises on NCL, and I was talking to a friend that I actually met solo trap, solo cruising. So let's create a Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group called Norwegian Cruise Line Solo Travelers. We have about 1,500 members strong. We you know 
share videos, share experiences, share pictures, just say, who's is somebody going on this ship at this time? You know, it's just kind of a place just to kind of hang out. Well, you sound like a pretty experienced solo cruiser. So like having sailed in the solo studio cabins, um, how do they compare against the regular cabins? Well, it's an interior cabin on NCL like you would a normal interior cabin on any cruise line. It's just NCL kind of gives you a break on the single supplement. Usually if you cruise Carnival or Royal Caribbean or other cruise lines and you sell by yourself, you're usually paying 200% fare for just you to have that room to yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not quite – you know. 100 it's, it's more like a you pay a, a little bit of a premium for it compared to sharing a room with somebody on an interior cabin on ncl but there's a lot of perks with these you know studio cabins you know you have the studio lounge they have a solo travelers program where you have a member of the cruise staff as your kind of solo travelers host and like on this cruise on the bliss i mean at times i feel like a rock star that's traveling awesome. solo well in norwegian is developing this pretty solid reputation among the solo cruisers because of the fact that they set up the events for people who want to meet other solo cruisers so it sounds like you took advantage of that Oh, absolutely. They have a meeting every evening at a certain time. It's printed in their little freestyle daily, the little program they deliver to your stateroom. You just, whoever shows up, shows up, you know, and the solo travelers host, say, who wants to go to dinner together? And he or she will make reservations for dinner, for shows. This ship has like the racetrack and the laser tag. So she, she made reservations for that for us as well. And like with the shows, we actually met our solo travelers host before the show at a different location. She, she took us in the back way where we actually got in the theater and got good seats before they even opened the doors. So that's why I felt like we were treated like rock stars. You know? <laughs> this is really – we'll get to the ship in a couple of minutes here, but I just have a couple more questions about being sure. a solo cruiser on NCL because it's very uh, intriguing to me because – you know, one thing that, you know, people who have never cruised solo, they get really nervous about mealtimes, like, and they'll have to maybe eat alone, or will they sit with people they don't want to sit with, forced to sit with strangers? Like, how was your experience in that regard? It was um, fine. I mean, the first solo cruise I did in 2015 on the Escape, mm-hmm. I went with a buddy that I worked with, but we were both kind of had our own cabin, traveling solo kind of as a group, but not really. But we went to the solo travelers meeting greet, just kind of started meeting people. You know, I'm not afraid to meet new friends. And um, we started going to dinner together each night. And before it was over with, I mean, I've got like friends I still keep in touch with today. So, I mean, if you don't mind meeting somebody, you know, and being friends with them just for that cruise even. I mean, you can, you know, enjoy a meal together at least. I mean, because some of the folks we saw them at dinner, some of them we saw throughout the ship, some went to port together. I mean, it's just whatever you want to make of it. And if you choose not to do that, just you can go to dinner by yourself. I mean, that's your choice. Yeah. It's your vacation. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll probably have more solo questions as we go through the interview, but uh, let's sure. let's talk about the, the ship. So how was embarkation once you went to board in Seattle? That's the embarkation. Um, we I stayed in a hotel near the uh, airport prior to the cruise, so we booked transportation through the hotel to the pier. Um, got there um, probably, let's see, probably got there around 10, 15-ish or so. Took about 20 minutes probably to get through security and to get checked in. Of course, we were there before embarkation started at 11, so we had to wait in the waiting room. But, I mean, very efficient. I was probably, they started boarding around 11. I was probably on the ship by 11.20. Wow, that was pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, very efficient operation at, at Port Seattle. I mean, I actually got on the ship, and we went. We always go down to – I like going to the, um, the um, main dining room for lunch instead of the Lido Buffet. And we actually got down there, and they were not even open yet. It's like, give us about 10 more minutes, we'll be open. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. 
So when you walk on board Norwegian Bliss, you, you kind of enter into more of a, a hallway instead of being dumped into like this main atrium. But what were your first impressions of the ship? Yeah, when I first got on, I've been on the Breakaway, the Getaway, and the Escape before. So si- there were very similar layouts between the sister ships of the Breakaway, Breakaway Plus class. But when I got on this on the Bliss, I was just blown away compared to the other ships I'd been on in that class. I mean, the finishes were top notch. I mean, it was just like sparkling. It just was like I was just like mesmerized. Oh my gosh, they finally! This is just amazing. And it seemed like they really kind of honed in their design with this ship in this class. Yeah, it's, you know, it, you know, again, like you said, you know, you've sailed the other ships that are, you know, kind of kind of like this ship. And there's a, there's a lot of things that are the same, but there's some noticeable differences, too. And, you know, yes. a lot of the venue changes as well, which I I can appreciate uh, that as well. Now, you, you mentioned that you booked a solo cabin. So you went to your solo cabin. Now, uh, the soda, the solo cabin area, is that access controlled? Yes, it is. Um, it's kind of off the corridor of the regular cabins there's another door to studio cabins you need to use your key card so it's kind of you have to have a cabin in that area to be able to gain access to that area then you go through that door and then it's more another hallway where you actually get to your cabin and then you have access to the studio lounge from there okay and then you said there was a concierge that kind of helped you this, this concierge is dedicated to the solo travelers Yes, it's a member of the cruise staff, so okay. you know you'll probably see him or her doing other activities on the ship. But each cruise, there's a member of the cruise staff that's assigned to solo travelers host, mm-hmm. and he or she will have a meeting every evening. It's like a meeting greet. It's printed in the Freestyle Daily, their you know daily program. And we had Bianca for this cruise, and she was fantastic. I mean, just catered to anything we asked for. Made had no trouble making reservations for us. I mean, we see around the ships like, hey, how are you doing, Chris? It's just you know. Like I said, I, was, I felt like I was treated like a rock star. With the studio, the solo cabin, I've only been on the one on Norwegian Epic, I believe. Is it the same 100 square feet and all of that? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's very similar uh, concept. They've kind of the finishes of the Bliss um, studio cabin is a little more contemporary, less less like white, You know, no more mood lighting. But they've really done a good job with the design. They actually made the... The other Breakaway Plus ships and the Epic, they have a full-size bed in the studio cabins. Well, they went to a twin-size bed in these, which is very nice because it gives you more floor space. In addition, the Bliss studio cabin has a virtual window, which is not existing on any other studio cabins in their fleet. So you open up the shade, and it's a live view outside, and it's like it looks like a window. I mean, the, the quality of the picture is amazing. Wow, that's awesome. Now, let's talk about dining because you said the concierge did help you with dining reservations. Um, so we'll start with one of the – the ship kind of has, what, three, I guess you'd call them main dining rooms. You have, what, yes. Taste, Saver, and it's not the Manhattan. Is, is it called the Manhattan? It is, it's Manhattan. Okay. I get confused from ship to ship. So right. in the Manhattan. So how was that experience? Yeah, the main dining room is excellent. I'm, you know – I'm, I tend to be the one that I prefer the main dining rooms on NCL ships because the food is just stellar. It's just top notch. And I feel like, why should I spend money on specialty dining when they have this fantastic food in the main dining room? The wait staff was great. You know, we, I never had a bad meal. Since there is no dining time per se, you kind of just, you roll in whenever you want to. And you, did you ever have to wait? Not really. The first night, because it was embarkation day and, you know, our, 
solo travelers meeting greet was you know really close to dinner time she couldn't make reservations for like an hour ahead obviously mm-hmm. so we were kind of on our own for dinner but a group of us said let's let's go to, let's go to the manhattan room for dinner so we walk up just walk up with no reservation they say i'll give us about 20 minutes they give us a pager and, and i ask can we can we go anywhere to ship with this and they're like yeah so we went to a you know a bar and just got you know had drinks and sit down and had you know just talked and i mean within 10 minutes they told us 20 but in 10 minutes our pager was going off so like no wait that's awesome and so yeah. you, you could go you could go as you mentioned anywhere in the ship you didn't have to like sit in the lobby area by the right. dining room yeah right and, and you can awesome. make reservations there's nothing wrong with making reservations yeah. just I, I, since i travel solo so much on ncl i just don't even worry about reservations ahead of time i just let the solo travelers host make the reservations for me it's just one less thing i have to fool with it's a great service they offer too Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Did you do any specialty? We did. I did do specialty. Okay. Um, I did one meal um, in uh, the Q Texas Smokehouse. I'd asked our solo travelers host, hey, could you make us you know, reservations in the specialty restaurant? She said, yeah, there's several of y'all want to go together. I'll be glad to. So a couple of us got together and said, who wants to go to Q? And you know, several said they wanted to go. So one night we went to Q. Excellent barbecue. I was blown away. I'm a Southern boy, as you can tell by my accent. I love barbecue, and they did not disappoint. Like the other cruise lines that have barbecue joints on there, it's cool to see that them like companies will actually design an indoor smoker for these cruise lines. Yes, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the entertainment then. You mentioned uh, you kind of gave us a sneak peek about the entertainment and how you kind of got some VIP access because you were a solo traveler. Right, right. Yeah, there's two main uh, you know shows on this ship. One's Havana. And what the other is Jersey Boys, and the Havana is kind of I think an NCL kind of custom developed show, and it was really good. I mean, I wasn't too fine on the acting part, the actual like you know the theater part of it, but the music was spot on. I just sat there and enjoyed listening to the live band that was playing in the middle of that you know that musical that show. I really enjoyed that. Um, the other show was Jersey Boys, and it's I think adapted from Broadway. I'm not one a huge person to go to Broadway shows when I'm in New York, but mm-hmm. let me tell you, that was the best show I've ever seen at sea was Jersey Boys. I mean, I, it was fantastic. That's awesome. Now, how about around the ship, like in the different venues? Yeah, I, I wanted to do the Prohibition show, and that's in one of the smaller venues, but that one sold out and wasn't able to get reservations, and I probably one I should have booked in advance, but um, it was no big deal because a lot of evenings after we'd go to a show or have dinner, a bunch of us would sit around and talk, so it really didn't bother me. But this ship also has um, the, the go-kart track, the you know racetrack, mm-hmm. and laser tag, and I did um, – group of us did go to the uh, racetrack one one afternoon or one, I think it was one morning but and um, went for a um, little little friendly competition on the racetrack <laughs> nice very cool now um, with the the casino now Norwegian Bliss has that kind of this smoking area partitioned off in the casino so was there any smoke issue um, like if you were in six seven or eight? No, no smoke, okay. no smoke issues at all. I mean, that's the best thing they ever did on that ship was partition off the smoking area. So if you want to smoke and gamble, go right ahead, and no one else has to has to smell the smoke waffling down through yeah. six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's that's a great idea they did. Um, so let's talk about the sea days. Of course, this was an Alaska cruise, so you had a couple of you know you had one scenic day of cruising and uh, a couple of just regular sea days. How was the ship as far as crowds and congestion during the sea days? Yes, I think it went very well. If you got in some of the more popular venues, like during peak times, like you know the Garden Cafe, the, the Lido Buffet, during like you know peak breakfast time or you know peak lunch, it would be 
quite crowded. Um, same thing with the observation lounge. If you hit it during peak times, it'd be hard to find a seat. But I mean, I never had trouble finding somewhere to just sit sit back, enjoy the um, scenery go by. Now, was the observation lounge like the place to be? Yeah, that was very a very popular venue on the ship. Um, I always would go early in the morning. I'm an early riser, so I would um, go down there early. It would be barely barely any people there. I would, you know, they had some light breakfast and coffee there, so I'd get me a, some a pastry and some coffee and just sit there and enjoy the scenery before everybody you know woke up. Well, and speaking of breakfast in this solo area, is there a coffee shop? Yeah, they've got like a coffee machine, kind of self serve. It does espressos, mm-hmm. cappuccinos, um, that type of stuff, lattes, and they also have pastries available in the morning. And then in the afternoon, they convert it to other kind of snacks. So, yeah, I mean, if you want just a, you know, a little coffee drink, you know, you can get it right there. You don't have to, you know, pay for it anywhere. And there's not there's not like a, a crew member there working. It's actually just kind of self-serve. Right. It's just self-serve. Okay. Yes. Well, let's talk about the port you went to. And to keep it brief here, uh, just give us the port and a highlight and then just move to the next one. Yeah, so first port was Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, highlight there was just going and doing my short excursion, the Rainforest Zipline Canopy Tour. Absolutely breathtaking views. The next one um, was Juneau, and this was the highlight of the entire trip. I did a short excursion where you actually t- took a helicopter ride to the to the Mendenhall Glacier and did a one-hour guided walk on the glacier. That was the one of the best things I've ever experienced in my entire life. Is, isn't that like the coolest thing ever? Yes. Oh my it's, goodness. I want to go back to Alaska just to do that again. Yeah, I, I did that once and you know, you, you gear up with those boots you put on and you you know, you put that big coat on and jump in that helicopter, the coolest thing you could ever do hands down in Alaska. Oh absolutely, absolutely. Then the same day of Juno we also did the cruise to the to the Dolls Glacier. Uh-huh. And what's cool about that is these the they open up the crew area at the front of deck eight at the bow of the ships, and that's one of the best places to sit there and just watch the glaciers go by. Yeah. Fantastic. For sure. For sure. What was next? Oh, next was Skagway, Alaska the next day, and I did um, another short excursion, Yukon Territory Scenic Drive, and I mean, this, the, the view's again breathtaking. It's just like you just walked into a picture book. This is beautiful. Yeah, it's, they have the, uh, but you didn't do the train, correct? No, I didn't do the train. No. It was like a small bus, mm-hmm. and they took us on, we were gone like six, seven hours. We had a, the driver was our tour guide, and I mean, the man, his name was Doug as well, you know, uh-huh. and he just told a story about the gold rush, but it's just like the man knows this inside and out. He wasn't like narrating to you. It's like he was just telling you the story. It was just like fantastic. I mean, I, I loved it. That's awesome. So that was Juno. Then you'd catch a can. And where was next? And Skagway was that one. Then our last port was Victoria, British Columbia on the last day. And it was a late arrival um, there. I mean, since it was like a 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. port call, really didn't do much, but just, you know, went with some friends that I met on the cruise and we went and had dinner together in town. Very nice. And then last but not least, you went to Victoria. How was that? It was fantastic again. Um, didn't really do any kind of organized short excursion. We had a late arrival at 4 p.m., so didn't really think I'd have time to really enjoy anything. So went with some friends into port, and we just went and had dinner together, walked around, took pictures, and just had a nice little relaxing evening. You make your way back to Seattle. How was the disembarkation process? Uh, disembarkation, it was one of the smoothest disembarkations ever. The, it all, number it's number two to my disembarkation in Mobile, Alabama. I was from my stateroom to the pier, stateroom, excuse me, stateroom to the curb in 20 minutes. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Wow. Yeah, the, only, the only thing that beats that is Mobile, Alabama, on the Carnival Fantasy. I did that in, in like 15 minutes. So wow, yeah, that's good too. Very good. Well, uh, looking back on this cruise, um, do you have any first time tips to offer solo travelers who are sailing Norwegian Bliss? 
Yeah, on this one, make sure you do the short excursions. I mean, usually the Caribbean ones, you know, I was going to go to the beach, I'm going to be lazy, that's fine, but you want to go see these things. I mean, Alaska, the final frontier, you've got to do short excursions. I highly recommend you do short excursions. Um, if you want to beat the crowds, hit the observation lounge early in the day. That worked great for me. You can get there early. If, if you want to wake up early, um, if you're traveling solo, um, make sure you take part in the uh, solo travelers meet and greet. Meet your solo travelers host and just, you know, connect with some friends. And I mean, you don't have to be friends with them after the cruise. Just be friends with them yeah. during the cruise and go to dinner with them and just have a good time. So overall, how did your solo experience on Bliss compare to the other ships you've done solo? It was just as good as the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of hard to compare because you have different solo travelers host, different personalities. But I mean, it was a very solid, you know, solo travelers experience for me. Do you have any mistakes that maybe you've made a, as a solo traveler that you'd like to um, maybe share with people so they kind of maybe uh, avoid those mistakes? Well, I would just don't be introverted. I'm a little introverted at times. You know, be willing to go out. Hey, my name is Chris. How are you doing? You know, you know just you know, and just just enjoy yourself and just don't be afraid to you know make new friends. Well, in closing here, Chris, what are your final thoughts of Norwegian Bliss? Uh, fantastic ship, um, fantastic crew, fantastic destinations. I mean. I, I can't say anything good about Alaska, anything bad about Alaska. It's just had a fantastic cruise, and I don't. I want to go back just because it was so fantastic. Well, you've definitely opened up my eyes. Uh, solo traveling on NCL. Um, I really didn't. I knew that they catered to the solo traveler, but I didn't know they catered to them that well. That's awesome to hear. They do a fantastic job for the solo traveler. They've they've got the market cornered right now, and I, and, and like I tell people, you know, they keep on getting my business because they keep on taking care of me. Yeah. And it also um, helps they don't charge that 200% single supplement yes. fee, right? <laughs> yes. We've been talking with Chris about his solo sailing aboard Norwegian Bliss round trip Seattle to Alaska. Chris, good catching up, my friend. Don't be a stranger. All right, thanks again. Doug. Appreciate it. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. You are still listening to this podcast, and can I ask you a favor? It'll take 30 seconds, I promise. Could you leave a review wherever you listen to this show from, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play? I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon.